G'day, 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 and welcome everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate. And that's the horror junkie, Dominic. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff. The sort of fear your asshole knows about. As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast. All right, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. Boop, 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 scoop. <laughs> I missed you, Kate. I missed you, Dom. I know we saw each other last week, but still. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Kate. Hi, Dom. How are you today? I don't know why, but I'm really happy. (laughs) Okay. Is that not normal? (laughs) I think I'm just... I really look forward to our our Monday evening recording sessions because they just make more. me happy and yeah. giggle. And you're so funny. Did you know that? <laughs> well, I was I was doing some video editing before, and I was just giggling too. So I was so excited. Um, and I have done yeah today's episode. So I was I always get so excited to share it with you. I just want to share it. That's how I feel. So I always look forward to our Monday nights. You always, you always like, I do notice you just want to get into it. And I'm like, Kate, how you doing? Tell me. <laughs> no, I'm like, I've got a story to tell. Leave me alone. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> but before I do get into today, before we get into today's episode, uh, I want to keep in tradition with our BooPod network. So Dom, Yes, you were talking about this last week. So again, to recap for our listeners who might have missed last week's episode or, you know, whatever, um, Dominic has done a power of work around this and created a BooPod network. So it's a network of other podcasts that, you know, sort of fit within the Shitting Bricks theme. So it might be, you know, true crime, it might be horror, it might be scary, it might be a bit funny, might be people, you know, similar to us. Uh, and it's really growing. There's quite a few podcasts in there. I was looking in our shared file today, which is exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. So I want to share one for today. I'm going to introduce you to the Nightcap podcast. So this it. podcast, it's really, really cool. It's just started. It's fresh. Fresh, brand new. It's on Spotify. You can see it on Spotify. The promo will tell you where else we can you can listen. Uh, but the little artwork is a pair of hands holding onto a cup of coffee. So that's cup of really, Joe. Yes, cup of Joe. So or Joanna. Uh, you know, it doesn't oh, need hey, to be gendered. <laughs> you're so right. Whatever way you want to go. Um, but yes. Yeah, so the little promo is something that we want to share with you so if it's something that sounds interesting to you please go ahead and listen uh but here is the promo for the nightcap podcast greetings friends do you have a taste for the unknown are your days plagued with thoughts of the strange and morbid has your bloodlust for knowledge of the most sadistic killers that has ever walked the earth ever been satisfied if not and I'm here to help. Welcome to the Nightcap, where nothing is taboo and the topics are always fresh. Join me by the fire on the first of every month for tales of terror and stories of the sadistic. Learn why your neighbor might be hiding a horrible secret or if that conspiracy theory you thought was false turned out to be real. Whatever your dark desire, I have what you need. You can find me on Spotify, Radio Public, and Anchor with more ways to listen coming soon. Without further ado, be safe. Stay curious, and now back to your program. 
Now that promo, it has got a I have your daughter hostage vibe to it, which I really like. Uh, so if that's your if that's your taste. Um, but thank you to the Nightcap for joining the Boo Pod Network. We're excited to uh, continue to be part of it and grow audiences for everybody and support this little community. It's really cool. So thank you to Dominic and thank you to the Nightcap for joining us. Booyah, love it. Booyah, Boo Pod. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, now, today's story, which is precisely that, I am going to be telling you all a story. I'll be reading a story to you. Uh, I was tossing up whether or not to do voices, uh, but they were terrible. They took <laughs> away from the story. So occasionally I might change my tone of voice to try to distinguish between dialogue and what's happening in the in the story. Uh, but, I, yeah, I played around with, you know, Scottish... Irish, Italian, <laughs> just none really floated. So I'm just going to read it out to you. <laughs> I do love story time with teacher, like Miss Wilkinson and her story time. I'm here for it. Oh, and to be perfectly honest with you, it will go, I go full teacher voice. There's no other way that I can read it. I, can, yeah. I can't physically read chunks of text without going full teacher voice. So that will happen. Uh, before I get into that story, though, I always love to tell you about a phobia that we're talking about. Uh, so today it's deprecophobia, which De- is deprecophobia, D-E-P-R-E-C-O-phobia, deprecophobia. Mm. And this is the fear of curses. So being <sighs> cursed, having a curse upon you, having anything that could curse you. It's usually suffered by a person who has gone through what they feel like are a lot of curses in their life. So heaps of failures and not having great moments. Um, mm. Even when they're having a good life, they can be frightened that something bad's going to happen eventually. Yeah. So again, when we're moving into phobias, there's different levels, but ultimately um, deprecophobia is what we're yeah. looking at a little bit today. And just a bit of history for everybody. The lovely Kate, who is was just speaking, uh, did an amazing... I'm still here. <laughs> She's with us. She hasn't succumbed to us. her curse yet. No, not yet. But this is already giving me vibage of one of our early episodes, the one that you did on Egypt, Kate, which yes. I hope oh, I haven't yes. spoiled anything. But if people, if you're listening and you haven't uh, found that one just yet, you should totally go back. Egypt is probably one of our most successful episodes, to be honest. I really uh, enjoyed it's that really one. good. Yeah, it does. And it's a bit of a throwback to that because there's so many different kinds of curses. Mm. Uh, this episode focuses on, on one specifically, but uh, definitely have a look at the Egypt episode. I loved writing that one. That was so much fun. Uh, so in addition to um, deprecophobia being a phobia about the fear of curses, my research led me to understand it's only a, also a highly rated double mash stout by the Bottle Logic Brewing Company in partnership with the Voodoo Brewing Company out of California, United States. <laughs> so if you're a beer fan or a stout fan, is it, I guess that's a beer. I'm not sure if I would like that, but that's the first thing that comes up. So don't, don't at me that I didn't mention these <laughs> these beers. <laughs> if you work at the Voodoo Brewing Company, please, we yes. would love to review your beer. Just send oh. it, send us a case and we will happily feature in your Absolutely. next episode. And I did, yeah, I did have a look. They are pretty fancy and they've got some great names and artwork and they've got heaps of um, breweries over in the States, like pubs. Uh, so I'll have to check them out when we go, uh, <laughs> when they sponsor us and fly us over there. First class. <laughs> First class. All right, so back to curses, feeling cursed, cursing. 
today's story, as I mentioned earlier, it is a traditional story. So I couldn't summarize this story because it didn't do it justice. Uh, so you will get uh, good old fashioned story time. Um, but Dom, the one thing I do ask from you is that I have, I have read over this a couple of times, but if I'm going to quickly wave at me or something like that, or give me like a slowdown signal, because mm-hmm. sometimes when I get excited, I go too fast. Um, I'll, uh, I'll do that. The hummingbird. Oh no, my, my wrist, oh, no. my broken oh, no. wrist. Oh, speaking of which, you've got your uh, cast off. I got the cast off. It's it's doing well. Oh. I've got a I've got a, a guard to wear just so I don't do okay. what I just did. Yeah, <laughs> and flap don't it about. Do <laughs> you've got like one of those guards that the um <laughs> that traditionally those you know ladies in the supermarket uh, yes. cash registers wrist guard type dealies that they. <laughs> That, I have now graduated into full nano mode. I'm probably yeah. going to have a walker soon and start wearing adult diapers. Not that I there's anything it. wrong with that, but I've now there's got the wrist guard. <laughs> perfect. Go with it. It's a it's a step process. That's perfect. If my teeth um, fall out, don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So don't do the hummingbird, but give me some sort of signal. We'll see how we go. The okay. story that I'm going to tell you today is the story of the monkey's paw. Now, this story, yeah, it was written by William Weimark Jacobs uh, in, and it was published in 1902. So it is a short story that he wrote uh, and that was published back in the 1900s. Uh, and it's quite a good one. So mm. I'm going to read this short story to you. It's in three parts. Uh, it doesn't, you know, go for a particularly long time, but do settle in and also be prepared for some um, old timey language. Mm. <clears throat> because yeah naturally it was published in it's 120 years old so you know it is oh god yeah no wonder i connected with it same age um all right here we go so the monkey's paw part one outside the night was cold and wet but in the small living room the curtains were closed and the fire burned brightly father and son were playing chess the father, whose idea about the game involves some very unusual moves, putting his king into such sharp and unnecessary danger that it even brought comment from the white-haired old lady knitting quietly by the fire. Listen to the wind, said Mr. White, who, having seen his mistake uh, that could cost him the game after it was too late, was trying to stop his son from seeing it. I'm listening, said the son, seriously studying the board as he stretched out his hand. Check. I should hardly think that he'll come tonight, said his father, with his hand held in the air over the board. Mate, replied the son. That's the worst of living so far out, cried Mr. White with sudden and unexpected violence. Of all the awful out-of-the-way places to live, this is the worst. Can't walk on the footpath, getting stuck in the mud and the roads a river. I don't know what people are thinking about. I suppose that, you know, they think it doesn't matter because there are only two houses in the road and they've got people in them. Never mind, dear, said the wife calmly. Perhaps you'll win the next one. Mr. White looked up sharply just in, see, just in time to see a knowing look between mother and son. The words died away on his lips and he had a guilty smile behind his thin grey beard. There he is, said Herbert White as the gate banged shut loudly and heavy footsteps came toward the door. The old man rose quickly and opening the door was heard telling the new arrival how sorry he was for his recent loss. The new arrival talked about it, his sadness, so that Mrs. White said tut tut and coughed gently as her husband entered the room, followed by a tall heavy-built, strong-looking man whose skin had the healthy reddish colour associated with outdoor life and whose eyes showed that he could be a dangerous enemy. Sergeant Major Morris, he said, introducing him to his wife and his son Herbert. 
The Sergeant Major shook hands and, taking the offered seat by the fire, watched with satisfaction as Mr White got out whiskey and glasses. After the third glass, his eyes got brighter and he began to talk. The little family circle listened with growing interest to the visitor from distant parts as he squared his broad shoulders in the chair and spoke of wild scenes and brave acts of wars and strange people. 21 years of it, said Mr White, looking at his wife and son. When he went away, he was a thin young man. Now look at him. He doesn't look to have taken much harm, said Mrs White politely. I'd like to go to India myself, said the old man. Just look around a bit, you know. Better where you are, said the sergeant major, shaking his head. He put down the empty glass and, sighing softly, shook it again. I should like to see those old temples and fakirs and the street entertainers, said the old man. What was that that you started telling me the other day about a monkey's paw or something, Morris? Nothing, said the soldier quickly. At least nothing worth hearing. Monkey's paw, said Mrs White curiously. Well, it's just a bit of what you might call magic, perhaps, said the sergeant major, without first stopping to think. His three listeners leaned forward excitedly. Deep in thought, the visitor put his empty glass to his lips and then set it down again. Mr. White filled it for him again. To look at it, said the sergeant major, feeling about in his pocket. It's just an ordinary little paw, dried to a mummy. He took something out of his pocket and held it out for them. Mrs. White drew back with a look of disgust, but her son, taking it, examined it curiously. And what is there special about it? asked Mr. White as he took it from his son and having examined it, placed it upon the table. It had a spell put on it by an old fakir, said the sergeant major, a very holy man. He wanted to show that fate ruled people's lives and that those who tried to change it would be sorry. He put a spell on it so that three different men could each have three wishes from it. The way he told the story showed that he truly believed it, and his listeners became aware that their light laughter was out of place. Well, why don't you have three, sir? said Herbert cleverly. The soldier looked at him the way the middle age usually looked at disrespectful youth. I have, he said quietly, and his face whitened. And did you really have three wishes granted? asked Mrs White. I did, said the sergeant major, and his glass tapped against his strong teeth. And has anybody else wished? continued the old lady. The first man had three wishes, yes. I don't know what the first two were, but the third was for death. That's how I got the poor. His voice was so serious that the group fell quiet. If you've had your three wishes, it's no good to you now then, Morris, said the old man at last. What do you keep it for? The soldier shook his head. Fancy, I suppose, he said slowly. I did have some idea of selling it, but I don't think I will. It's caused me enough trouble already. Besides, people won't buy. They think it's just a story. And those who don't think anything of it will want to try it first and pay me afterward. If you could have another uh, another three wishes, said the old man, watching him carefully, would you have them? I don't know, said the other. I, I don't know. He took the paw and, holding it between his front finger and thumb, suddenly threw it upon the fire. Mr White, with a slight cry, quickly bent down and took it off. Better let it burn, said the soldier sadly, but in a way that let them know he believed it to be true. If you don't want it, Morris, said the other, give it to me. I won't said his friend with stubborn determination. I threw it on the fire. If you keep it, don't hold me responsible for what happens. Throw it on the fire like a sensible man. The other shook his head and examined his possession closely. How do you do it? he asked. Hold it up in your right hand and state your wish out loud so that it can be heard, said the sergeant major. But I warn you of what might happen. 
Sounds like the Arabian Nights, said Mrs. White, as she rose and began to set the dinner. Don't you think you might wish for four pairs of hands for me? Her husband drew the talisman from his pocket and all three laughed loudly as the sergeant major, with a look of alarm on his face, caught him by the arm. If you must wish, he demanded, wish for something sensible. Mr. White dropped, back, dropped it back in his pocket and placing chairs mentioned he motioned his friend to the table. In the business of dinner, the talisman was partly forgotten and afterward the three sat fascinated as they listened to more of the soldiers' adventures from India. If the tale about the monkey's paw is not more than, than those he's been telling us, said Herbert as the door closed behind their guest just in time to catch the last train, we shan't make much of it. Did you give anything for it, father? asked Mrs. White, watching her husband closely. A little, he said, colouring slightly. He didn't want it, but I made him take it, and he pressed me again to throw it away. Not likely, said Herbert with pretend horror. Why, we're going to be rich and famous and happy. Smiling, he said, wish to be a king, father, to begin with, then mother can't complain all the time. He ran quickly around the table, chased by the laughing Mrs. White, armed with a piece of cloth. Mr. White took the paw from his pocket and eyed it doubtfully. I don't know what to wish for, and that's a fact, he said slowly. It seems to me I've got all I want. If only you paid off the house, you'd be quite happy, wouldn't you? said Herbert, with his hand on his shoulder. Well, wish for two hundred pounds then, that'll just do it. His father, smiling and with an embarrassed look for his foolishness in believing the soldier's story, held up the talisman. Herbert, with a serious face, spoiled only by a quick smile to his mother, sat down at the piano and struck a few grand chords. I wish for two hundred pounds, said the old man clearly. A fine crash from the piano greeted his words, broken by a frightened cry from the old man. His wife and son ran toward him. It moved, he cried, with a look of horror at the object as it lay on the floor. As I wished, it, it twisted in my hand like a snake. Well, I don't see the money, said his son, as he picked it up and placed it on the table, and I bet I never shall. It must have been your imagination, father, said his wife, regarding him worriedly. He shook his head. Never mind, though, there's no harm done, but it gave me a shock all the same. They sat down by the fire again while the two men finished their pipes. Outside, the wind was higher than ever, and the old man jumped nervously at the sound of a door banging upstairs. An unusual and depressing silence settled on all three, which lasted until the old couple got up to go to bed. I expect you'll find the cash tied up in a big bag in the middle of your bed, said Herbert, as he wished them good night and something horrible sitting on top of your wardrobe watching you as your pocket your ill-gotten money. Herbert, who normally had a playful nature and didn't like to take things too seriously, sat alone in the darkness looking into the dying fire. He saw faces in it, the last so horrible and so monkey-like that he stared at it in amazement. It became so clear that, with a nervous laugh, he felt on the table for a glass containing some water to throw over it. His hand found the monkey's paw and with a little shake of his body, he wiped his hand on his coat and went up to bed. That's part one. <sighs> Jesus <laughs> so that's Christ. Our, that's our first chapter. So we've got our uh, monkey's ports. We'd introduce these people's house. This little Herbert is quite a... He loves to egg people on. What a bit of a shit stirrer this kid is. <laughs> He's a cheeky little bugger. I really enjoy the idea of like their entertainment is, you know, making jokes and then running around the table with a cloth. and Yeah. Um, the it's one awesome. thing that... <laughs> Sorry, you go. No, it's just it's also uh, wholesome and yeah. polite. and It really is. 
you know, um, oh, I, I wouldn't mind going off to India, walk around for a bit. All right, dude. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. that's what the soldiers yeah. were doing. hundred <laughs> percent. That's what they were doing. Good on you, Mr. White. Um, the other thing is that the wife calls her husband father. Mm. That I, so if you're getting a bit lost there, just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just reading it as it's written. So they would call them father because technically he is a father, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's that sign of respect of a time. Yeah. I can, you know, they want the kids to, to mimic what 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 they, sorry, trying to get the kids to, you know, show yeah, that, sign, show that of respect. sign of respect. Absolutely. But, um, All right. Are you ready for part two? Oh my, are you ready for part two? Do you <laughs> yeah. need a glass of water? <laughs> I'm good. <coughs> As I cough up my lung. I'm ready to go. I like it. Alrighty, part two. So they've all gone to bed. So part two begins. In the brightness of the wintry sun the next morning, as it streamed over the breakfast table, he laughed at his fears. The room felt as it always had and there was an air of health and happiness, which was not there the previous night. The dirty, dried-up little paw was thrown on the cabinet with a carelessness which indicated no great belief in what it could do. I suppose all old soldiers are the same, said Mrs White. The idea of our listening to such nonsense. How could wishes be granted in these days? And if they could, how could 200 pounds hurt you, father? Might drop on his head from the sky, said Herbert. Morris said things happen so naturally, said his father, that you might, if you so wish, not see the relationship. Well, don't break into the money before I come back, said Herbert, as he rose from the table to go to work. I'm afraid it'll turn you into a mean, greedy old man and we'll have to tell everybody that we don't know you. His mother laughed and following him out the door, watched him go down the road and returning to the breakfast table, she felt happy at the expense of her husband's readiness to believe such stories. All of which did not prevent her from hurrying to the door at the postman's knock, nor when she found that the post brought only a bill talking about how sergeant majors can develop bad drinking habits after they leave the army. Herbert will have some more funny remarks I expect when he comes home, she said as they sat at dinner. I know, said Mr. White, pouring himself out some beer. But for all that, the thing moved in my hand. That I'll swear to. You thought it did, said the old lady, trying to calm him. I say it did, replied the other. There was no thought about it. I had just... What's the matter? His wife made no reply. She was watching the mysterious movements of a man outside, who, looking in an undecided fashion at the house, appeared to be trying to make up his mind to enter. In mental connection with the 200 pounds, she noticed that the stranger was well-dressed and wore a silk hat of shiny newness. Three times he stopped briefly at the gate and then walked on again. The fourth time he stood with his hand upon it and then with sudden firmness of mind pushed it open and walked up the path. Mrs. White at the same moment placed her hands behind her, hurriedly untying the strings of her apron and put it under the cushion of her chair. She brought the stranger, who seemed a little uncomfortable, into the room. He looked at her in a way that said that there was something about his purpose he wanted to keep a secret and seemed to be thinking of something else as the old lady said she was sorry for the appearance of the room and her husband's coat, which he usually wore in the garden. She waited patiently as the man was about to state his business, but at first he was strangely silent. I was asked to call, he said at last, and bent down and picked a piece of cotton from his his trousers. I come from Moore and Megan's. The old lady jumped suddenly as in alarm. Is anything the matter? She asked breathlessly. Has anything happened to Herbert? What is it? What is it? Her husband spoke before he could answer. There, there, mother, he said hurriedly. Sit down and don't jump to any conclusions. 
You've not brought bad news, I'm sure, sir, and eyed the other man expecting that it was bad news, but hoping he was wrong. I'm sorry, began the visitor. Is he hurt? demanded the mother wildly. The visitor lowered and raised his head once in agreement. Badly hurt, he said quietly, but he is not in any pain. Oh, thank God, said the old woman, pressing her hands together tightly. Thank God for that. Thank... She broke off as the tragic meaning of the part about him not being in any pain came to her. The man had turned his head slightly so as not to look directly at her, but she saw the awful truth in the man's face. She caught her breath and turning to her husband, who did not yet understand the man's meaning, laid her shaking hand on his. There was a long silence. He was caught in the machinery, said the visitor at length in a low voice. Caught in the machinery, repeated Mr. White, too shocked to think clearly. Yes. He sat staring out the window and taking his wife's hand between his own, pressed it as he used to do when he was trying to win her love in a time before they were married, nearly 40 years before. He was the only one left to us, he said, turning gently to the visitor. It is hard. The other man coughed and, rising, walked slowly to the window. The firm wishes me to pass on their great sadness about your loss, he said, without looking around. I ask that you please understand that I'm only their servant and I'm simply doing what they told me to do. There was no reply. The old woman's face was white, her eyes staring, her breath unheard. On the husband's face was a look such as his friend the sergeant major might have carried into his first battle. I was to say that Moore and Megan's accept no responsibility, continued the other. But although they don't believe they have a legal requirement to make a payment for your loss in in view of your son's services, they wish to present you with a certain sum. Mr. White dropped his wife's hand and, rising to his feet, stared with a look of horror at his visitor. His dry lips shaped the words, How much? Two hundred pounds, was the answer. Without hearing his wife scream, the old man smiled weakly, put out his hands like a blind man and fell, a senseless mass, to the floor. That's part two. I knew it. I could sense it. I was like, Jesus. It just I mean, is just... such good writing. I really enjoy it. It gives me goosebumps, and I've read it four times in the past week. Yeah, it's a it's a fabulous story. And, yeah, um, yeah it's really creepy because as you were telling the story, I don't, you know where I'm at, I do. Kate. I'm up in Lolo. Mm-hmm. I can see down the um, oh. driveway and yeah. no fucking joke, a little boy and a dog just walked past no. while you were telling it. And I'm like, <gasps> Herbert? Yeah, Herbert. Herbert. Herbie. I'll buy some, I'll buy some uh, Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, where you are is very remote. So I don't, <laughs> I don't love that for you. goodness gracious but Um, talk about what a shit job like imagine being asked to go tell anyone that ever has to break news like that i don't know how doctors do it i don't know how military people do it i just police officers i know i can't comprehend it would just be awful yeah all right part three are we i'm falling off my chair and (laughs) <laughs> All the fucking ghost kids just not walk by <laughs> right now. You fucking ghost kids. Uh, all right. All right. Hit me, hit me, Kate. Let's Part do it. Part three. So, 
They've received their 200 pounds for, you know, basically their son dying. Here we are in the huge new cemetery. Some two miles away, the old people buried their dead and came back to the house, which was now full of shadows and silence. It was all over so quickly that at first they could hardly realise it and remained in a state of waiting for something else to happen, something else which was to lighten this load too heavy for old hearts to bear. But the days passed and they realised that they had to accept the situation, the hopeless acceptance of the old. Sometimes they hardly said a word to each other, for now they had nothing to talk about and their, long, their days were long to tiredness. It was about a week after the old man waking sudden oh, it was about a week after that the old man waking suddenly in the night stretched out his hand and found himself alone. The room was in darkness and he could hear the sound of his wife crying quietly at the window. He raised himself in bed and listened. "Come back," he said tenderly. "You will be cold." "It is colder for my son," said the old woman who began crying again. The sounds of crying died away on his ears. The bed was warm and his eyes heavy with sleep. He slept lightly at first and then was fully asleep until a sudden wild cry from his wife broke him with a start. The paw, she cried wildly. The monkey's paw. He started up in alarm. Where? Where is it? What's the matter? She almost fell as she came hurriedly across the room toward him. I want it, she said. You've not destroyed it? It's in the living room on the shelf above the fireplace, he replied. Why? She cried and laughed together and, bending over, kissed his cheek. I only just thought of it, she said. Why didn't I think of it before? Why didn't you think of it? Think of what? He questioned. The other two wishes. We've only had one. Was that not enough? He demanded angrily. No, we'll have one more. Go down and get it quickly and wish our boy alive again. The man sat up in bed and threw the blankets from his shaking legs. Good God, are you mad? He cried, struck with horror. Get it, she said. Get it quickly and wish. Oh, my boy, my boy. Her husband struck a match and lit the candle. Get back to the bed, his voice shaking. You don't know what you're saying. We had the first wish granted, said the old woman. Why not the second? A, a coincidence, said the old man. Go and get it and wish, cried his wife, shaking with excitement. The old man turned and looked at her and his voice shook. He has been dead 10 days. And besides, he, I would not tell you before, but I could only recognise him by his clothing. If he was too terrible for you to see then, how about now? Bring him back, cried the old woman and pulled him towards the door. Do you think I fear the child that I've nursed? He went down in the darkness and felt his way to the living room and then to the fireplace. The talisman was in its place on the shelf and then a horrible fear came over him that the unspoken wish might bring the broken body of his son before him, before he could escape from the room. He caught his breath as he found that he had lost direction of the door. His forehead cold with sweat, he felt his way around the table and along the walls until he found himself at the bottom of the stairs with the evil thing in his hand. Even his wife's face seemed to change as he entered the room. It was white and expectant, and to his fears seemed to have unnatural look upon them. He was afraid of her. Wish, she cried in a strong voice. It's foolish and wicked, he said. Wish, repeated his wife. He raised his hand. I wish my son alive again. The talisman fell to the floor and he looked at it fearfully, then sank into a chair and the old woman with burning eyes walked to the window and opened the curtains. He sat until he could no longer bear the cold, looking up from time to time at the figure of his wife staring through the window. 
The candle, which almost burned to the bottom, was throwing moving shadows around the room. When the candle finally went out, the old man, with an unspeakable sense of relief at the failure of the talisman, went slowly back to his bed, and a minute afterward the old woman came silently and lay without movement beside him. Neither spoke, but lay silently listening to the ticking of the clock. They heard nothing else other than the normal night sounds. The darkness was depressing, and after lying for some time building up his courage, the husband took the box of matches and lighting one went downstairs for another candle. At the foot of the stairs, the match went out, and he stopped to light another. At the same moment, a knock sounded on the front door. It was so quiet that it could only be heard downstairs, as if the one knocking wanted to keep their coming a secret. The matches fell from his hand. He stood motionless, not even breathing, until the knock was repeated. Then he turned and ran quickly back to his room and closed the door behind him. A third knock sounded through the house. What's that? cried the old woman, sitting up quickly. A rat, said the old man shakily. A rat. It passed me on the stairs. His wife sat up in bed listening. A loud knock echoed through the house. It's Herbert, she screamed. It's Herbert. She ran to the door, but her husband was there before her and catching her by the arm held her tightly. What are you going to do? He asked in a low, scared voice. It's my boy. It's Herbert, she cried, struggling automatically. I forgot it was two miles away. What are you holding me for? Let go. I must open the door. For God's sake, don't let it in, cried the old man, shaking with fear. You're afraid of your own son, she cried, struggling. Let me go. I'm coming, Herbert. I'm coming. There was another knock and another. The old woman, with a sudden pull, broke free and ran from her room. Her husband followed her to the top of the stairs and called after her as she hurried down. He heard the chain pull back and the bottom lock open. Then the woman's voice, desperate and breathing heavily. The top lock, she cried. Come down. I can't reach it. But her husband was on his hands and knees, feeling around wildly on the floor in search of the poor. If only he could find it before that thing got inside. The knocks came very quickly now, echoing through the house, and he heard the noise of his wife moving a chair and putting it down against the door. He heard the movement of the lock as she began to open it, and at the same moment he found the monkey's paw and frantically breathed his third and last wish. The knocking suddenly stopped, although the echoes of it were still in the house. He heard the chair pull back and the door open. A cold wind blew up the staircase and a long, loud cry of disappointment and pain from his wife gave him the courage to run down to her side and then to the gate. The streetlight opposite shone on a quiet and deserted road. The end. Oh, for f- <laughs> fuck's sake. <laughs> ah, the end. And that's just the end of that short story. That is the published version of that story by W.W. Jacobs, The Monkey's Paw. My goodness. What did like you think? It, it's it's so reminiscent of, it's so well written, but it reminds me of um, Pet Cemetery. It reminds me of a few other like classic scary stories where you just don't tempt fate on these sorts mm-hmm. of things because you it, it never pans out the way that it should and yeah. they're the best stories like why do we all I was thinking when you were telling the story is why did we get into like religions getting into the bible and all that sort of shit to teach morality and um whatever like just a good fucking scary story a good <laughs> paranormal story yeah well 
easily, easily uh, control the masses. You don't need some religious that was so iconography. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's funny that you mentioned Pet Cemetery because that is based on that story. Ah. That's, it's, it is based on it. That's one of our pop culture references. Oh, um, we're so yes, in sync. But lots of... I know, but there is lots of, of, um, of pop culture that has come about because of it. So in 1933, so 30-ish years after it was uh, written, published, mm-hmm. uh, there was a film directed by Wesley Ruggles. No idea who that is. Uh, but it more or less follows the exact story storyline, although they do that really shitty movie cop-out thing where the dad wakes up and it was all a dream. Oh. And his son is then the foreman of the factory and, like, marries some beautiful lady. Boring. Why um, does Hollywood do this? Well, I mean, it's pretty hectic, I guess. So fair enough. Plus, you kind of do feel like, what was the third wish? Like, I'm assuming the third wish is so that my son, you know, goes back to his grave. Mm. But then what would the repercussion of that be? And what, like, is he still alive but buried there? Is he in pain? So many things. Um, yeah. But you don't so want to know. Like, that's the thing. No. It's your imagination. We do this in yes. so many of our episodes, Kate, where it's like the untold story or the the cliffhanger is worse than any true horror. Like, you don't know what was on the other side of that door, right? That's right. Exactly. You don't know if he's in the house. Like, maybe he's... Ooh, who knows? But, yeah, that's the beauty of it. And that's why I really enjoyed that story. I'm glad that I had the opportunity to read it out. Um, well done, okay. hey, thanks. <laughs> so 1933, movie by Wesley Ruggles, who did the Hollywood thing, lame. The Simpsons, a very um, popular one. So the monkey's paw, it's a magical seven ape hand that can great wishes. It's got one of the best scenes too when Homer first buys it, but I'll get to that. So it's, it's got four fingers at each time someone makes a, fi- a wish, the finger goes down. Every wish, however, has a negative twist. It appears on Lisa's Nightmare segment of the Treehouse of Horror 2. So it's a very early episode. Mm -hmm. And it was sold to Homer by a salesman in Marrakesh. Um, (laughs) And that's the sequence where Homer goes, oh, I got it from this man just over there. And it's just like a... It's just like a, a willy willy, like a little mini tornado thing. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god! And then goes, oh no, he was over there. <laughs> and he just like sort of left, and the guy's still there. And I think the old guy goes, "You'll be sorry." <laughs> Classic Simpsons. Um, but Maggie wishes for a new pacifier um, that arrives in a luxury car. Oddly, this is the only uh, wish that doesn't have any negatives. Bart wishes for the Simpsons to be rich and famous, which ends up with the family being hated. Lisa wishes for world peace, which results in aliens coming to Earth. <laughs> tie, tie in with some of our other episodes. Uh, Homer wishes for a turkey sandwich, and the, t- the sandwich is too dry for his taste. <laughs> <laughs> and just as Homer decides to throw the monkey's paw out, Flanders ends up um, getting it. And then Ned Flanders wishes for the impending invasion of Kang and Kodos to be re- repelled, the aliens. Yeah. Um, shockingly, Flanders' wishes don't seem to come out with the usual consequences and some townspeople hail him as the hero and carry him back to his house while scattering him with roses. Flanders then decides to spruce up the old homestead, causing their house to be turned into a castle. And then Homer enviously and bitterly wishes that he had a monkey paw. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a monkey paw. Um, so that's the Simpsons refo. There was another one which... When I was watching it, I didn't make the connection, but now afterwards. Uh, so I don't know if you have seen it, but Wonder Woman 1984. I haven't is, actually seen it. Pretty much, 
it's it's not the best one. Like okay. it's not, you know, it was a bit of fun. Um, but for our um, DC fans out there, there was an article from Screen Rant and its uh, title was Wonder Woman's 1984, Monkey's Paw Connection and Changes Explained. In Wonder Woman 1984, the Dream Stone is portrayed as a monkey's paw-like device. So the Dream Stone's what they all want to want to get. Mm. It's granting wishes to those who hold it, but throwing unintended consequences their way by taking something dear in return. Mm. As in the monkey's paw, uh, Wonder Woman uses the power of the Dream Stone to bring back a dead loved one, reviving Steve Trevor, who died during the climax of 2017's Wonder Woman. Ah. Spoiler alert. As a result, her powers and abilities start to fade. Barbara Minerva wishes to become an apex predator, transforming into a cheetah-human hybrid as part of the Dreamstone's toll. She gives up her humanity. And then villain Maxwell Lord wishes to become the stone, but his body begins to deteriorate under the artifact's influence, and he almost loses his son. While these wishes are largely different for those featured in W.W. Jacobs' short story, the idea of wishes having twisted consequences is very much lifted from that original work. In case the influence wasn't clear, Steve directly references the monkey's paw in the scene where they realise the Dreamstone's wishes come with a price. Ah. So that is in Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, and then finally, to um, you know, finish up my pop culture references, there was a horror movie made in 2013. It's called The Monkey's Paw. <laughs> Good name. Oh, who knew? <laughs> uh, and it is more or less based on that sort of traditional story. Uh, quick synopsis, the film centres on Jake Tilton, who acquires a mystical monkey's poor talisman that grants his possessor three wishes. Jake finds his world turned upside down after his first two wishes result in his co-worker Tony Cobb being resurrected from the dead. Yeah. As Cobb pressures Jake into using the final wish to reunite Cobb with his son, his intimidation quickly escalates into relentless murder, forcing Jake to outwit his psychotic friend and save his remaining loved ones. So that's a bad consequence. If you go and see the trailer, we might even post a bit of it, but they're literally driving in a car and this Cobb guy, like, hmm. jettisons out a window after a car crash. <laughs> just <laughs> like, casually? Just casually. They hit a telephone pole and he wasn't wearing his seatbelt. Wear so your seatbelts, people. Wear your seatbelts. Safety belt. tip. There's a survival. Thank you. Safety tip. Safety 101. Um, but, like, half the back of his head's missing. So he's not feeling well for the whole movie, which is <laughs> understandable. Panadol why he Max then needs to go ahead and kill some people because they're like, oh, I want him to be alive again. So they're like, okay. So he just literally stands up from the ground where like his brains are still half there. And he's like, do the third wish and make me see my son or something mm. like that. I don't know. It looks not, it doesn't look like a movie I'd want to watch. Um, but I watched the trailer. I felt like that was pretty good. Well, we'll make it our movie of the week just because it is so closely related to your story. But um, nice, you know, I did put yeah, I did put some pickies of that for us to for us to share. Nice, but look, like rule number one: if you're ever gonna wish the person to be resurrected, like get into the T's and C's about it. I want them to return as they were. Yep. Without any effects of a curse, and I would Correct. also like to not be negatively impacted by this wish. Imagine doing that, going into the CBD. 
you know, you're on a PricewaterhouseCooper or whatever a place that has lawyers at, maybe they're accountants. I don't know. I've just seen a building in the city. I assume they're important. And you go there and you're like, I would like the terms and conditions. I need the product disclosure statement. I would like you to bring all these documents in. I want to fine print this shit because I don't want any weird cuckoo curse people coming back to life. That's for sure. But the moral of the story is exactly like the captain of the Pussycat Dolls once said, be careful what you wish for or you just might get it. Yeah, you just might get it. You just might get it. Get it? Were you waiting this entire episode to do that gag? Yes. I am so proud of you. I think that has to win Gag of the Year Award. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I think that Gag of the Year is excellent because it, like it made me feel sick saying it. So I think that's perfect because <laughs> of how shit that joke was. Um, but yes, I did type it out. And yes, it is in my research for today's episode. <laughs> if we were ever to do this this episode live in front of yep. an audience, I would have totally either made you or I would have done the dance routine to it as you sang it. Do you- well, I mean, you obviously know the dance routine, so I'm suggesting that you do it, you do it first. I'll follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, you just might have to uh, stay tuned for all the exciting things Kate and I have got planned in the future, which Absolutely. does entail live audiences. Uh, so maybe we'll just pull it out there and only the people that are true fans who have listened to us from the beginning yeah. We'll understand the uh, reference and the rest of the people in the audience will think they're in the presence of some very unsafe people. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really what the comedy festival is all about. Yes. Uh, excellent. Well, Dom, that's my episode. That's the monkey's paw. I really appreciate you sitting and listening to me telling my story and trying to focus on breathing because at times I would happily just read and read and not inhale. Um <laughs> <laughs> and big shout out again to the nightcap podcast who's part of our boo pod network if you're listening to this and you have a podcast that you think would work well within our boo pod network just to make friends and share connections and share info send us a dm yeah and well done kate congratulations that was so well done i think i love that we are playing around with the formatting of our shows a little bit and trialing some new things and i think uh, yeah. some storytelling is just fantastic. I reckon we can work up to some, some, uh, you know, voice voices. I'm, I think if we build our confidence a little bit, I I would be game to, uh, to do some voices. We can even move into almost like a radio play territory. Mm. Are we? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start writing some radio plays. How very dare you? <laughs> we'll obviously have to get some sound effects. <laughs> brum, 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 brum. <laughs> All right, we'll people, spring for we some should sound go. Effects. We should. We'll leave you to your day, your night, your morning, your evening. We love you so much. Uh, speak to you soon. See, See you, you next Dom. week. Love you. Bye. Herbert. Herbert. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.